ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارham ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد فان خير الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار قال الله سبحانه وتعالى في كتابه يا ايها الذين امنوا قوا انفسكم واهليكم نارا الله سبحانه وتعالى commanded the believing men and women he said in the quran ya ayyuhalladhina amanu o you who believe qu anfusakum wa ahlikum nara save yourselves and your families from the fire save yourselves and your families from the fire and the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in the authentic hadith in the sahih he said kullukum ra'in wa kullukum mas'ulun an ra'iyatihi that all of you have responsibilities all of you have responsibilities and all of you will be questioned about your responsibilities fal amiru ra'in 'ala an-nas wa huwa mas'ulun an ra'iyatihi so the leader of the people he is responsible for those who are under him and he will be questioned about this war rajulu ra'in 'ala ahli baytihi and a man is responsible for the people in his household wamra'atur rajul ra'iyatun 'ala bayti ba'liha wa waladihi wa hiya mas'ulatun anhum and the wife she is responsible for those who are also in the house the house of the husband and the children until the end of the hadith and then he concluded sallallahu alayhi wa sallam by saying ala fa kullukum ra'in wa kullukum mas'ulun an ra'iyatihi that indeed all of you have responsibilities and all of you will be questioned about your responsibilities imam ibn al-qayyim he said rahimahullah ta'ala just like their children have responsibilities towards their parents their parents also have responsibilities towards their children so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says wa wasayna al-insana bi walidayhi husna that we have ordained for mankind to show perfection towards their parents he said subhanahu wa ta'ala qu anfusakum wa ahlikum nara that save yourselves and your families from the fire of jahannam the responsibility that the parents they have upon their children as mentioned by ibn al-qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala is a greater responsibility than the children will have towards their parents and why did he mention this rahimahullah he said because 
if their parents nurture their children correctly, then they will respect their parents. And they will be taught how to respect their parents. So the parents will be asked first about how they were with their children before the children will be asked how they were with their parents. And this khutbah today, inshaAllah ta'ala, will be about nurturing children and how to raise children. And the advice given by the Prophet wasallam and his companions and the scholars of Islam. Because we will spend the next few weeks with our children because there is no school. So they will be in the household with us. And we will have to fulfill the commands of Allah Jalla wa'ala upon us regarding them. Imam Sa'di rahimahullahu ta'ala, when he spoke about raising children, he said rahimahullahu ta'ala, Salahul walidayni bil-ilmi wal-amal min a'zamil asbabi li salahi awladihim. For the parents to be upright with regards to their knowledge and their actions is from the greatest reasons for the children to be upright. And Allah Jalla wa'ala says in the Quran, وَكَانَ أَبُوهُمَا صَالِحًا That their father was righteous. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected them. So he said from this we can derive that if the parents are righteous, if the parents surround themselves with knowledge and good deeds and good actions, this will be a reason for the children to be raised upon good deeds and actions. But if the parents have transgressed and they turn away from Allah Jalla wa'ala, especially in front of their children, then this is a reason for their children to go astray and away from the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The children have a natural inclination to be like their parents. So if they find their parents reciting Quran, they will want to recite Quran. If they find their parents performing salah, they will want to perform salah. So it is important that the children are raised in an environment where their parents are worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in order for the children to also have this zeal to worship Allah jalla wa'ala. Ali ibn Abi Talib radiyallahu anhi said, Allimuhum wa When he spoke about children, he said, teach them and discipline them. Because teaching them and disciplining them and disciplining them would be a reason for them to become close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he was with Abdullah ibn Abbas and Abdullah ibn Abbas was a young boy. He said to him sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ya ghulam, O oh young boy, inni u'allimuka bi kalimat. I am going to teach you some words. Ihfaz illaha yahfazka. Ihfaz illaha tajidhu tujahak. Iza sa'alta fas'alillah. Wa iza sta'anta fasta'in billah. That guard Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, meaning his commands and prohibitions. And Allah will guard you. Guard Allah's commands and prohibitions and you will find Allah in front of you, meaning he will make everything easy for you. If you want help, seek help from Allah. And if you want to ask anyone, ask Allah. Look how the Prophet ﷺ is nurturing this in the heart of Ibn Abbas Such a young boy. But the Prophet ﷺ is teaching him about Allah and guarding the commands and the prohibitions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Al-Hasan al-Basri, he said, rahimahullah, مروهم بطاعة الله وعلموهم الخير that command them, your children, command them to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and teach them the acts of goodness. We also find that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said مروا أبناءكم بالصلاة لسبع command your children to praise salah when they reach the age of seven وضربوهم عليها لعشر and discipline them when they reach the age of ten. 
ابن حزم رحمه الله تعالى سل ومهما بلغ سن التمييز فينبغي ألا يسامح في ترك الطهارة والصلاة when the children reach the age of distinguishing between good right and wrong which is the age of seven he said then they have to they cannot be let you cannot let them go with regards to purification and with regards to salah ويؤمر بالصوم في بعض أيام رمضان and then they are commanded in some of the days of Ramadan to fast Imam al-Nawawi said rahimahullah ta'ala tamreen al-sibyani ala al-ta'at wa ta'weeduhum al-ibadat wa yustahabu an yu'awwad al-sabiyya al-siwak liya'tadahu Imam al-Nawawi said rahimahullah ta'ala we should start to get the children to practice good deeds so they would become accustomed to performing deeds to the extent he said it is recommended to even teach them how to use the siwak so they become used to the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam we also find that the scholars of Islam, they would encourage their parents to ensure their children learn the Qur'an and learn knowledge and learn about the biographies of the righteous when they are young. Because these are the things that will enter their hearts and these are the things that will stay there. Ibn al-Jawzi rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, Man ruziqa waladan, whoever has been blessed with a child, فَلْيَجْتَهِدْ مَعَهُ Then let him exert efforts regarding him. فَإِذَا بَلَغَ خَمْسَ سِنِينَ when he reaches the age of five, he will take him to learn knowledge. Because memorizing when they are young is like scratching the surface of a rock. If you scratch the rock, that scratch will be there forever. And when you make them memorize when they are young, that memorization will not leave them. So he said, when they reach the age of five, this is the time you need to sit with them. This is the time you need to spend time with them. This is the time you need to teach them about the Quran and about the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ibn, Ibn Hazm rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, يَشْغَلُوا فِي الْمَكْتَبِ Quran. This young child, he should be in the madrasas. He should be in the place that they memorize. And they should be memorizing Quran. وَأَحَدِيثِ الْأَخْبَارِ And they should learn about the sunnah of the Prophet by memorizing his narrations and they should learn about the, the, the biographies of the righteous and their conditions so the love of the righteous will be found in his heart this is what the parents must do to their children that when they are at a young age send them to the madaris and this is not a madrasa once or twice a week this should be five or six or seven times a week they should be going to the madaris and they should be learning the Quran. And they should be learning about the Sunnah of the Prophet. They should be learning about the righteous and the pious from the Anbiya of Allah and from the Sahaba and from the Ulama of Islam. Because this will place love for these righteous people in the hearts of these children. A man he came to Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu an and he said, Inna innabni yushiku an yakuna sha'iran. That my child, he wants to become a poet. My child wants to become a poet. So Ali radiallahu an, he said, أَقْرِئْهُ الْقُرْآنَ فَهُوَ خَيْرٌ لَهُ He goes, teach him Qur'an. This is better for him. My child, maybe he has a good voice. He likes to sing. And parents say, I would make him, he likes nasheed, I'll make him into a nasheed artist. I will teach him poetry, I'll teach him this and that. Ali radiallahu an, he said, no. Let him read the Qur'an. This is better for him. So this man, he said afterwards, I kept thinking about what Ali radiallahu an said to me. And to I kept taking my son away from the thing that he desired in poetry and kept on teaching him Quran until he memorized the entire Quran and I did not regret the advice following the advice of Ali at all. Some of the ulama said it will be difficult at times. Your children want to do something but they do not know what is good and what is not. So they will desire to do something, they will desire to play, they will desire to have fun. 
and it will burn in your heart to turn them away from this and make them memorize Quran or make them learn about Islam or make them come to the masjid with you. It will hurt you to do this. But later on you will see the fruits of this. And you will see because of this effort after the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they were raised upon Iman. They were raised upon loving Allah. They were raised upon Quran. They had love for this deen in their heart that prevented them from disbelief. Because of the struggles that you went through to put what was better for them over what they desired for themselves. We also find Ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhumah, he said, tafsir, sagheer. He said, ask me about tafsir because I memorized the Quran when I was young. This was the practice of the Sahaba. I memorized the Quran when I was young. After the revelation was completed, the Sahaba will teach their children Quran when they were young. So he was able to memorize the entire Quran when he was young. So he, a young boy was saying, ask me about tafsir. Because I memorized the Quran when I was young. Umar radiallahu anhu used to take Ibn Abbas to the gatherings of the, of the major sahaba, of the senior sahaba with him. Just so they could hear the words of Ibn Abbas. Because of how educated he was in the tafsir of the kitab of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just like we try with our children for Quran. And we try with them for knowledge. The ulama of Islam, they said, do not neglect their daily du'as. Do not neglect their daily du'as because it is extremely important to teach them the daily du'as because this teaches the children not just the du'as but it teaches them that repetition is the thing that preserves knowledge. So before they eat, they will say the du'a. Before they, uh, when they conclude food, when they complete eating, they will say the du'a. Before they sleep, they will say a du'a. When they wake up, they will say a remembrance. When they enter their houses, when they leave their houses and because they keep on repeating this, these are words they will never forget. So this teaches them that repetition is one of the key reasons that allows us to preserve that which we have memorized. And the Prophet ﷺ used to teach them du'as just like he would teach them the Qur'an. As we find from the hadith of Jabir radiallahu anhu, he said, كَانَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ يُعَلِّمُنَا الْإِسْتِخَارَ فِي الْأُمُورِ كَالسُورَةِ مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ the Prophet وسلم, used to teach us istikhara, how to make the dua of istikhara, just like he would teach us a surah, a chapter from the Quran. Meaning he would sit with them and he would make sure they say the words. Just like the tahiyyat that we have in the, in the salah. The sahabi, they said, that the, the Prophet وسلم, taught me this, the tashahud, just like he was teaching me a surah from the Quran. Meaning he wouldn't just focus on memorization of Quran. But he would teach them adhkar, remembrances. He would teach them du'as, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the same way he would teach them the Qur'an. And this is why he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, was able to nurture the greatest men to step foot on this earth after the anbiya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Likewise, making our children, making our children seek role models that are appropriate for them. We are living in a society that it is easy for our children to be distracted and they would find role models in people that are not good for their matters of this dunya or matters of the hereafter. And the Salaf used to pay great attention to this. Anas ibn Malik radiallahu an said, كَانُوا يُعَلِّمُونَ أَوْلَادَهُمْ مَحَبَّةَ الشَّيْخَيْنِ كَمَا يُعَلِّمُونَهُمْ السُّورَةَ مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ that they, meaning the Sahaba and the Tabi'een, they used to teach their children to love Abu Bakr and Umar just like they used to teach them how to memorize the Qur'an. They used to teach their children to love Abu Bakr and Umar just like they used to teach them how to memorize the Qur'an. Sitting down with their children and telling them the virtues of Abu Bakr, 
telling them the virtues of Umar. So they would love the two greatest companions of the Prophet the same way they would sit with them to teach them the kitab of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Salih, the son of Ahmed ibn Hanbal rahimahullah, he said that my father, when anyone used to visit him, that was a pious man, or that used to have zuhud, that never used to pay attention to this world, but used to focus on the hereafter, my father used to send them behind me. He used to send them behind me. So when I would look around, I would see this person. So naturally, I would be inclined to these people because these were the companions of my father. So the father, whenever he would find pious people, Ahmed ibn Hanbal rahimahullah, he would expose them to his children so his children can be accustomed to seeing these pious people. This is the tarbiyah, the nurturing that the ulama of Islam they gave to their children because they wanted them to be strong worshippers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Teaching them from that young age, from the age of five, how to memorize Quran. From the age of seven, they would take them to the masajid. They would make sure they do wudu properly, that they would pray their salah. And they would start to introduce the fasting of Ramadan to them, fasting a day or two. So by the age of ten, they know how to pray their five salah and they are praying them regularly. By the age of ten, they are able to fast the whole of Ramadan. And Ibn Qudama rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, if Allah, if the Prophet sallallahu commanded us to teach them the salah at the age of seven, then everything else should be taught to them from the age of seven. Everything else, which is halal and haram, they should be aware of this. Teaching them this is haram, do not go near it. This is beloved to Allah, this is what we do. Encouraging them to give charity, encouraging them to take care of the poor, the needy, their neighbors. Telling them to enjoy in the good and forbid the evil. Teaching them about the sunnah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. From the age of seven, we slowly start to teach them. Teaching them about segregation. Teaching them about the matters that are beloved to Allah jalla wa ala. So by the age of ten, all of this has become a common practice for them. It has become second nature to them. It becomes easy for them to implement it and practice it. Because they have been introduced to it three years before this. And then they become strong worshippers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We look at the biographies of the righteous of Islam. Those who started to learn from a young age. Those who wanted to do things other than that which was beneficial for them. Like Imam Malik rahimahullah ta'ala. It was reported that Imam Malik rahimahullah ta'ala wanted to go into singing. I wanted to go into poetry. I wanted to go into things that were not going to be that beneficial for his hereafter. And his mother, she sat him down and she explained what was good for him. And she sent him to the madaris to learn. She sent him to learn Quran. She sent him to learn Hadith until he became the Imam of the land of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Imam Udar al-Hijrah he became. Because after Allah jalla wa ala's blessings upon his family, his mother guided him to that which was correct. Our children are not old enough to make their own choices. Our children are not old enough to know what is right and what is wrong or what is best for their dunya and their akhirah. So it is upon the parents to take the initiative. It is upon them. There was a story that one of the ulama he was narrating. He said, a man, he came to me and he said, it is difficult for me to teach my children Quran because every time I want to teach them, they talk about their friends who are playing outside. So the shaykh said, no, be firm with this. Teach them Quran, even if it hurts you. Even if you cry. Even if you think that it is harming your child, teach them Quran. It doesn't mean you're going to be soft and gentle, that you're going to neglect this. No, teach them the Quran. So the, the, the man, he said, I kept on doing this. And I would look out the window and I could see the other children play. And I could see that my child would look at them every now and then. But I would spend time with my child. 
And I would teach them the Quran. When my child reached the age of 15 or 16, the rest of my child's companions were not upon the deen of Allah Jalla wa'ala. Meaning they had, had Islam, but there was nothing they were showing for the Islam. There was no Quran. There was very minimal salah. What were they showing for the Islam? And my child now has memorized Quran. And my child now is becoming someone who wants to learn the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he was gentle with his child. And he said, I went through days of tears when I was crying, thinking I'm oppressing my child. I'll try my best to give them a good time. I'll try my best to help them and spend time with them and take them to places. But I didn't ever want them to neglect the Quran. And the fruits were seen. When we find, inshallah ta'ala, by following this advice, but given by the ulama, that we find, inshallah ta'ala, that Allah jalla wa'ala raises our children upon iman. And because of the sacrifice that we made, Allah jalla wa'ala, because of this and his mercy, subhanahu wa ta'ala, he raises them upon iman. And then you look at the children around and you think, alhamdulillah, for the guidance that Allah jalla wa'ala gave us and gave our families. أقول قولي هذا وأستغفر الله لي ولكم ولسائر المسلمين فاستغفروا إنه هو الغفور الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد الله سبحانه وتعالى يسد من القرآن يا أيها الذين آمنوا قوا أنفسكم وأهليكم نارا all you who believe, save yourselves and your families from the fire. Just like we find from the sunnah of the Prophet and his companions and the ulama of Islam that we should teach our children and we should discipline them and we should try and make them upright with their character and their manners. It doesn't mean that we should be harsh towards them and not show them love and kindness and gentleness. And this is something that we find in the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Like the hadith of Abi Huraira radiyallahu anhu. He said, Qabbala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam al-Hasan ibn Ali wa indahu al-Aqra ibn Habis al-Tamimi jalisan. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he kissed al-Hasan ibn Ali. He was the grandson of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam kissed him, al-Aqra ibn Habis al-Tamimi was sitting with him sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. فقال الأقرع this man أقرع he said to the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم إن لي عشرة من الولد ما قبلت منهم أحدا he said to the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم I have ten sons and I have never kissed any of them he saw the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم kissing his grandson so he said to the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم I have ten sons and I have never kissed any of them فنظر إليه رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم the Prophet looked at him and then he said, Man la yarham, la yurham. Whoever does not show mercy, then mercy will not be shown to him. This was the mercy of the Prophet. It's not merciful to neglect your children. It's not a sign of masculinity to neglect your children. Merciful to be merciful to them is to be kind and gentle to them, to show them love, to show them affection. And this will make it easier for them to accept the commands from you and stay away from your prohibitions. Because you have shown this mercy towards them. Just like the hadith of Anas radiallahu anh showed, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was not any ordinary man. He was the leader of mankind. He was the leader of mankind. The responsibility that he had on his shoulders, we cannot comprehend how great this responsibility was upon him. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He was trying to take care of the affairs of the entire world. 
to make mankind and jinn successful in this world and the next. So he's not someone who had a lot of free time, sallallahu alayhi wa if any. But we find from the hadith of Anas radiyallahu anhu wa arda, كَانَتِ الْأَمَى مِنْ إِمَاءِ الْمَدِينَةِ لَتَأْخُذُ بِيَدِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ فَتَنْطَلِقُ بِهِ حَيْثُ شَاءَتْ That a young girl from the girls of Medina, a young girl from the girls of Medina, she would come to the Prophet and she would hold his hand. And then she would take him around Medina wherever she wanted to. Meaning the Prophet wouldn't say no to her because he knew by saying no, he may upset her and it may make her rebel. And it's not something haram that she's asking. He has the entire ummah on his shoulders, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But she is part of this ummah. So she would take the hand of the Prophet And the sahaba would see a young girl just walking around, taking him to different places, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This was his mercy towards children, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, came into the masjid as the imam of the Muslims to lead the salah. And his granddaughter Umama radiallahu anha was holding on to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So he would pray and lead the salah and she was on his shoulder sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When he went for ruku, he put her down. When he stood up, he picked her up again. Imagine leading the salah like this today, what the people would say. But this is what he did sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The ulama said, let's go back. Why did he bring her to the masjid? He brought her to the masjid because when he was about to leave, she was going to get upset that he was leaving without her. But he has a duty to the ummah to lead the salah. And he has a duty to his family to not deter them and push them away from Islam. So he brought his granddaughter to the masjid with him and he led the salah with her on his shoulder. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We know the famous hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he was in sajda. And al Hussein ibn Ali radiallahu an, he mounted the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he remained in sajda for a long period of time. To the extent the Sahaba, they raised their heads in Salah. What has happened to the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? And they found Al-Husayn playing on the back of the Prophet When the Prophet completed the Salah, he said, I did not want to disturb him. He was playing. The Prophet is praying Salah. I did not want to disturb him. The ulama said, why did Al-Husayn mount the Prophet like this? Because this shows how the Prophet used to play with them in the house. That the Prophet ﷺ would go onto his knees and his hands and his grandchildren would mount him in his house and he would walk around with them sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So when they saw him like this in the masjid, they recognized how they used to play with him sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So they began to play with him while he was in salah. Gentleness with the children. Mahmud ibn Rabi' radiyallahu anhi said, Aqaltu min al-Nabiy sallallahu alayhi wa sallam majjatan majjaha fi wajhi wa ana ibn khamsa sinin. I remember. When, when I was five years old, the Prophet ﷺ, I remember an incident that took place between me and him. What did he do, ﷺ? The Prophet ﷺ had water that he had in his mouth. And this young child who was at the age of five, radiallahu Mahmud ibn Rabi, he was with the Prophet ﷺ, and the Prophet ﷺ, he spat the water out on his face. I mean to play with him. So when he became old, he said, I remember the Prophet ﷺ playing with me like this. When I was five years old, he put water in his mouth, and then he spat the water on my face, just to play with the child. This is how he was, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And this is the tarbiyah that he has given us so we can be with our children, with our nephews, with our nieces, with our grandchildren, with the general children around us. So they would grow to love Islam because they see those who are supposed to be following Islam are treating them kindly so they would follow that which they are upon. And this is how we win the hearts of our children. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless us 
and our families and our children with Iman. And we ask Allah Jalla wa to, to raise our children upon Iman and Islam and to allow them to meet Allah Jalla wa when they are upon Ihsan. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect our children's Iman and to allow them to be with their parents upon Iman. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow our children to be firm in their Salah and in their Iman and their Islam. So they can, so they enter the highest Jannah of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. We ask Allah Jalla Wa Ala to protect them from the doubts and the desires of this dunya, and from the plots of the Shaytan and his allies. And we ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala to protect all of us and our families from the temptations of the Shaytan. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad, kama sallaita ala Ibrahim wa ala ali Ibrahim. Inna kahmidun majid. Wa barik ala Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad, kama barakta ala Ibrahim wa ala ali Ibrahim. Inna kahmidun majid. اللهم يا مقلب القلوب ثبت قلوبنا على دينك وثبت قلوبنا على طاعتك ربنا لا تزغ قلوبنا بعد إذ هديتنا وهب لنا من لدنك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين أقم الصلاة